This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 2997 for Tuesday, the 28th of January, 2020. Today's show is entitled, World of Commodore 2019 Episode 7, Video Playback with 1541 Ultimate, and is part of the series, Hobby Electronics. It is hosted by Paul Quirk, and is about 19 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, in this seventh episode, Greg returns to tell us how he got full video playback on a Commodore 64. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org forward slash donate. Hello, good listeners of Hacker Public Radio. Paul here with my seventh installment of my World of Commodore mini-series. I hope the new year has been good to you so far, and I really hope you're enjoying this series. If you are, then please stop by my personal, non-commercial blog at pcork.com and leave me a note. While you're there, you can see pictures I took of this presentation, as well as some of the others from this series. In this episode, Greg returns with a second presentation where he explains how he got full screen video with audio to play on a Commodore 64, which is a pretty impressive feat considering the limitations of this computer from 38 years ago. I credit the open nature of the Commodore 64 which allowed it to surpass many of its contemporaries back in the day. It really was a great machine for hackers both then and today. Unlike the previous six episodes, I had to edit out the demonstration portions of this podcast as Greg made use of commercial videos he had converted. While this video itself is pretty grainy, the audio streams through crystal clear and may present a copyright problem for Hacker Public Radio, so I felt it best just to leave that part out. It is possible that the Toronto Pet Users Group YouTube channel may decide to leave this part in, But as of the date of this podcast, they have not yet uploaded anything to their channel from World of Commodore 2019. Of course, your best bet is to just attend the World of Commodore yourself to enjoy the whole experience if it returns for the year 2020. But if you're really interested in hearing the portion that's been edited out for HPR, send me an email and I'll see what I can do. And so, with no further ado, I present to you Video Playback with 1541 Ultimate. So, my second talk is uh, video playback with the 1541 Ultimate 2. Okay, so ever since I was a kid, uh, I have wanted to have motion video on my Commodore 64. The first video that I ever saw was on a 486 running Windows 3.1, and it was this three-second clip that was like the size of a poster stamp uh, with no audio, and it was actually a clip of the Enterprise from Next Generation jumping to warp. I was amazed. (laughs) But I wanted it on my Commodore 64. So, C64 graphics modes. Uh, The C64 has two native uh, bitmap graphic modes. It's uh, it's got high-res and multicolor. So in these modes, um, 
bitmap data and color data are stored in different parts of memory. So for either mode, a full screen bitmap is 8,000 bytes, so just under 8K. Uh, if you're in high res uh, mode, you have 1,000 bytes of color data. And if you're in multicolor, yeah, it needs uh, 2,001 bytes of uh, color. And the one byte, by the way, is the background color for the whole screen. So that would mean that the smallest native frame size, um, if you put it in uh, high-res mode and you said, well, let's just make it black and white and maybe dither it in order to get some tones, um, you would you could just make the color data static and you'd end up with only bitmap data. So, you know, the, the minimum frame size is it's, it's around 8K. So, several challenges. Memory size. C64 only has 64K of RAM. So, if we just divide, you know, how many frames can we fit, it's, it's a maximum of eight frames. But, of course, in practice, you know, you need your code, you need I.O. space, so it's like six frames. Well, six frames isn't very much video. Okay, so one approach is, well, you know, we could stream the frames from disk. We just stream into memory and, okay, well, the second problem is disk load speed. I mean, the IEC bus, even with Jiffy DOS, according to the Jiffy DOS manual, it's only 6K per second. So, you know, do some division, it's less than one frame per second, still don't have any audio, and, uh, and also the, the harder you try and read, the faster you try and read data from the bus, it just completely taps the CPU. Okay, so what about compression, right? That's the obvious move, which is compress the frames. Uh, the problem with compression is that decompression requires the CPU, and that takes time away from load speed. So, you know, if you did some really clever work, you know, well, maybe you could get two frames per second, but you're not gonna get many frames per second. So, you know, video just needs more memory, and it needs more CPU horsepower. So, you know, sad, sad face, you know, is my C64, is it hopeless to get video on my C64? Ah, the Super CPU. Creative Microdesigns released the Super CPU in the mid to late 1990s. It's an accelerator with uh, 20 megahertz, and it has a 16-bit mode. It has up to 16 megs of RAM. You know, it's like, okay, now we're talking, right? Uh, this, is, this is the thing. Okay, so um, uh, I demoed a video player for the Wings operating system uh, in Chicago on Commodore Expo in the early 2000s. So Wings uh, was a Unix-like uh, multitasking OS, but it was written for the Super CPU. Uh, it was written by Joel McGinnis from Australia, and it had the beginnings of a high-res GUI, uh, and it also came with a JPEG renderer that would convert JPEGs to four-color uh, dithered high-res images. And I started thinking, ah, you know, if I could export JPEG frames, I could write tools to convert JPEG frames into pre-converted frames of a video on C64, you know, and then I could pack them together with a raw PCM audio, and, and holy crap, you know, that, that might actually work. And it did work, uh, and it was, it was very impressive. It was full, you know, full motion video with synchronized digital audio. Um, so, let me tell you, uh, how I created those videos for Wings. Uh, I used QuickTime on a Mac and exported a set of frames as JPEGs. So let's say it's a thousand, a thousand frames, and as JPEGs, they're maybe you know two K each. So then, um, yeah, that's you know two megs of data, right? 
But in those days, it was it was actually kind of a pain to transfer data from a Mac to uh, a C64. And so, believe it or not, the most convenient way was to zip them up and transfer them over a modem to an IDE 64. Now, I don't know if you remember what a 56K modem was like, but this is not a fast process. This is also not a fast process. Okay, you unzip, then I had to unzip this multi-megabyte file on a Commodore 64. Then I had to decode and convert a thousand or more JPEGs on a C64. This took hours to finish, even at 20 megahertz. So a final video would max out at uh, around 15 megabytes, because the operating system needed about a meg, um, and you'd get about two minutes of playback. But it worked. <laughs> okay, so playing back. So how, did, how was a Wings video played back? I, I, I'm saying all this for context, okay? Uh, so you needed to, uh, I would load from an IDE64, which is probably still to date the fastest native uh, mass storage device on the 64. Uh, loaded into Super RAM. That took over a minute. Once that was done, you had two areas of memory. You had an area for audio and you had an area of unpacked video frames. So, audio playback. The audio playback was done um, with a device called the Digimax, uh, which is a little, um, plugs into the user port. It's an 8-bit stereo uh, DAC. It was made by uh, my friend Vanessa Dannenberg. And it's still actually commercially available. I just bought one a couple months ago from um, Shareware Plus. Okay, so there's something about the way that the brain works that um, if video stutters a little bit, it's actually not really that annoying. But if audio stutters, it's very annoying. Now, I think this is actually for some sort of evolutionary reason. You know, every time you blink, your, your, your vision gets disrupted. Every time you look around, you, so your brain is kind of used to your visuals getting disrupted, but there's kind of a continuity to audio that, that we're used to. So uh, for that reason, um, the, uh, the progress of the audio drove the video frames. Uh, so Wings was multi-threaded. So basically, I had one thread that would just it was just dedicated to copying audio data consistently. And then uh, ahead of time, it would calculate, well, how many bytes of audio is there going to be per frame? Um, and, and after uh, that many bytes of audio, it would send a message to the other thread to tell it to push another frame. Um, so then the other thread would copy the frame into a Wings GUI view buffer. And the OS would composite the buffers together onto the screen. The Super CPU was, was so fast that it could play three videos simultaneously in, in overlapping windows. It's very cool. Okay, but the sad reality, right? Sad reality. So the first problem is, of course, creating these videos very hard work. Like, it, I only made maybe four or five samples, um, and I only know of one other guy uh, who, who climbed the mountain and made a Wings video. It was like a clip of himself at some Euro demo party drinking a beer. Um, okay, the second problem. Super CPU is no longer available. Uh, but not only that, many C64 diehards kind of rejected the Super CPU. It's like, well, okay, you did it with the Super CPU, but it's, you know, it's, it's not really a C64. So more problems. Uh, you needed a lot of hardware. 
You needed a super CPU for playback, but you also needed super RAM to be the memory storage, and these are actually separate products. So you can go on eBay, you can spend a huge amount of money to get a super CPU, a rare super CPU, and it might not even have super RAM. And so the super RAM is actually a separate product that, uh, that was sold. You needed the Digimax for uh, half-decent audio, and you needed an IDE64 for reasonable load times. Even with the IDE64, though, load time is almost as long as playback time. So the sad reality is very few people will ever see the Wings videos playing on their very own C64. Ah, no super CPU? So that means we're back to square one, right? We've, we've got, you know, we're, we have all of our memory limitations, etc. But there's a new piece of hardware in town. Now there's the 1541 Ultimate 2, and I should say that um, whatever the 1541 Ultimate 2 can do uh, can also be done with the Ultimate 64. So what is the 1541 Ultimate 2? If you don't know, um, I wrote a uh, I wrote an epic review of all sorts of stuff that it can do. Um, and you can find that on c64os.com if you're interested. But in a nutshell, um, it is kind of a fat cartridge that plugs into the user port. Uh, it is configurable as a standard REU, a Commodore REU, uh, and it's configurable up to 16 megs of memory. Let's see where this is going. Uh, it also has access to USB-based storage devices. Plus, it has something very interesting called the Ultimate Audio Module. But best of all, it is commercially available today. So, uh, you know, when I show stuff like this, it's, it's encouragement for people, oh, one more thing I could do if I went and got a 1541 Ultimate 2 or an Ultimate 64. So, I once again, so I, when I got my 1541 Ultimate 2 and I started reading about all the stuff it could do, of course, I thought, ha, ah, ah, I can do, I got a video on my 64 again. Ah, but this time, the tools available on a Mac or a PC are, are much better. So, creating an ultimate video. Here's what you do to create an ultimate video. You find a video on YouTube, that is under two minutes and 30 seconds, okay? We still do have some memory limitations. My personal preference is uh, movie trailers because they're kind of punchy and they're like a little story and yeah. You copy the URL of the video and you paste it into a PHP script. At least this is, this is what I do to make these videos. And it's done. Uh, the video is a, a video file, totally transcoded and ready for the C64, is ready in less than five minutes. So, how does it do that? Script uses several tools. Uh, it uses YouTube DL to download the file from YouTube to a local file. It uses FFmpeg to extract the audio uh, to raw PCM. Then it uses FFmpeg again to extract a series of PNG images. Uh, frame rate is configurable from 6, 8, 10, 12, 15, or 20 frames per second. I usually use 10 frames. Um, if you want to get a little longer playback, you can, you can lower the frame rate. And if the video itself is just shorter, like it's only one minute clip, you can raise the, uh, you can raise the frame rate to get smoother playback. Formatting options are uh, dithered high-res black and white, which I, I kind of had a demo of this running last year. Um, and now there's also uh, dithered multicolor, 
thanks to um, the C64 graphics library by Pasi Albert Ohala, I think his name is pronounced. So the resultant video file is it's similar in format to the Wings movie file format. It's basically packed, pre-converted frames with a raw PCM audio segment and a header. And it's ready to transfer to your 64. So old drawbacks overcome. You can create a video now in minutes, not hours. And you can transfer them to your C64 in seconds because you know you just take the USB key out, stick it in the side of the 1541 Ultimate, ah, transferred it to my C64, right? You don't have to transfer it over to a 6K modem. Okay, this is big. You can load the video into the REU in under five seconds. Now, how is that possible? So the Super CPU is an accelerator, but you know it's not a storage device. So you have to have your storage device, and then you need a C64 program to read the data off the storage device, read it through the CPU, and put it into Super RAM. Um, but the uh, 1541 Ultimate is a storage device, and it's an Ultimate Audio Module, and it's an REU, and it's all rolled into one device. So you can use the C64 to, to send a message to the 1541 and tell it, take this file and load it into the REU. And it will load it into the REU in the back end very quickly. Digital audio. So, let's talk digital audio for just a moment. Pushing digital audio on a stock C64 is actually very CPU intensive. So let's say that the quality of audio is something reasonably low, like 11 kilohertz 8-bit mono. That's 11,025 bytes per second. So now let's say it takes uh, maybe an average of say 18 cycles per sample. So that's 18 times 11,025 samples per second that's darn near 200,000 cycles per second. But on a one megahertz machine, that's like 20% of the CPU just to push raw audio data out the Digimax on user port. You can imagine that if you were to increase that sample rate to say, I don't know, 20, uh, 22 kilohertz, 8-bit stereo, all of a sudden it would take 80% of the CPU just to push the audio. Okay, the ultimate audio module. The ultimate audio module is something you can enable on the 1541, and it activates a small range of I.O. addresses. And uh, what it does is it plays audio samples directly out of the REU memory. So it has audio hardware with an audio out jack, and it just plays the samples out of the REU. So the C64 specifies to it um, sample rate and the bit rate and how many channels of audio there are and uh, where the sample starts and how fast to play it and what volume and so on and it plays it and while it's playing it it uses zero percent of the c64 cpu so in a nutshell here's how uh, the video player works uh, the c64 commands the ultimate dos to load a file into the reu and it does that the C64 commands the ultimate audio module to start playing the audio. Then the VIC2's raster IRQ is used with a simple counter to divide the frame rate of the 64 down to the frame rate of the video. And every time that a frame needs to be updated, the C64 commands the RU to copy the next frame's data 
into main memory for the VIC to render. And bingo, you've got a full motion within the limit of the frame rate that I specified uh, with synchronized digital audio on your C64. So we've got probably six minutes or so for a demo. So let's do that. I hope you enjoyed Greg's second presentation. It really goes to show that, all these years later, there are still new things to do with the Commodore 64. Well, that's it for presentations of World of Commodore, and there is only one episode left. That being the vote of thanks, as the members of TPUG talk about this being their 40th anniversary, and also give out cake, which I cut. If you enjoy my podcast and would like to hear more from me, send me an email or leave me a message at my personal blog. You can also get in touch with me in the Fediverse at paul at cloud.peakwork.com. Until next time, drive safe and make sure to have fun. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.